Lel Collins talks to reporters in the Bengals locker room for the first time since his injury, and he is optimistic. Plus, it's NFL draft week, so what would it be if we weren't talking about the Bengals draft options at pick 28? You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to this podcast on YouTube or follow anywhere you get your podcast and join that first listen club. Become an everydayer as we have you covered here every day this week. It's going to be a long week for us, James. Draft week, always a long week. No days off as the NFL draft runs through our normal days off. So we'll have you covered after the draft every day this week. And today, we'll talk about the draft for sure, but we're going to start with still on the Bengals roster and looks like he's going to stay that way, judging from his comments in the locker room today anyway. Lel Collins, very optimistic for his return, says he's on schedule, James, and look at his contract. That guy has millions of incentives to get back on the field and be active for as many games as he can. No doubt. And you mentioned optimism and he was all smiles really all throughout his news conference, answered questions about Jonah Williams, which we can get to answered questions about some of the young guys in that room. If the Bengals, uh, you know, were to pick an offensive lineman at 28, all of those things. And, And he answered questions. And the other part of this showed up for voluntary workouts, which you, you could say, oh, well, that's nothing. He's rehabbing. Fine. But he could have continued rehabbing in Dallas and, and gone that way. So I, I think it is cool that he is in town. He's engaged. And he was fired up. And I was able to, to chat with him uh, amongst the other reporters. And he answered questions for about 10 minutes long. Uh, but asked him a, a few different questions about his health. And not just the knee. You remember, he battled through a bunch of different injuries and ailments last year. Played 15 games. Here's what Lyle had to say about his current health outside of the knee, which obviously he's still recovering from. Health-wise, outside of the knee, obviously you played through a bunch of stuff last year. How do you feel outside of the knee physically? Man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I, this is probably the best I felt um, this offseason. It's probably the first offseason I felt as good as I really feel, you know, just as a whole, you know, as my body. Um, I did a few checkups on a few things, obviously. And everything looks better than it did before. So, you know, I'm super excited to go into the season, you know, knowing how I feel as a as a whole. But, you know, for me, man, you know, I, I didn't go into the season healthy at all. You know, I, I just played through it. So, um, for me, that's why I say, you know, uh, right now, you know, with everything that we have moving forward with uh, rehab and everything too, um, I know – I'm going to go into this season a whole lot healthier than I was last year. So I think it's going to be night and day. I don't want to speak for you, but it sounds like you expect yourself to to be ready week one. Is that fair for you, a goal that you have, obviously? Yeah, man, that's, that's all left to the man upstairs, you know. So uh, I'm going to leave that in his hands. I just know that each and every day that I wake up, I feel stronger and I'm doing something that I wasn't doing the day before. Um, I will say this, at the end of my workout last week, I was able to take some pass sets. So 
Hey, that felt good. <laughs> Positive steps in terms of rehab, being able to get to the point where he's taking past steps, up past steps, obviously very upbeat. You can tell if you're watching on YouTube by, by watching the body language, watching the facial expressions. Like I said, incredibly incentivized to play. Played through injury last season, as he said, didn't get to the season healthy, something that we knew. They were managing his practice snaps all year. But of the $7 million Lel Collins is due this year, $2.4 million of those dollars are tied to him being active for game day. That's, that's a whole lot of money, right? That's, that's 33% of his salary this year tied to him mm-hmm. being active. And so makes sense that he's highly incentivized to get back. Great to hear that the, the other things are feeling better. This is something that was always kind of in the back of your mind with LC, the way that he played last year, just how different he looked from the player he was in Dallas doesn't really make sense for that like that to be a, a result of natural aging or natural you know decay of athleticism as you age he looked injured all year so it he is good move. to hear that that some of those things are feeling better yeah he couldn't move i mean how many times did we have sands on here talking about him just leaning into guys and falling and and just trying to do it? i i think one he's battling to stay on the field for his teammates but of course, you're right. It's tied to the paycheck. And when you have per game incentives like that, you're going to do anything and everything you can to to get on the field. And, and he was starting to play better, I thought. And not that he would have ever have played like what we expected when they signed him last year, because I think he was just too dinged up for that to happen. But he had show, showed some signs. And so we'll see. Hope, hopefully he can get healthy and, and have a real shot here to compete at that right tackle spot, because it if you're talking about healthy Lyle Collins and if the knee injury just never happened, it's a whole different discussion at right tackle. And it just stinks because I think you could have just penciled him in as starting right tackle, even after the addition of Orlando Brown. And it's much easier than to move on from Jonah Williams. If you know, you have a healthy Lyle Collins, which the Bengals don't unfortunately. And that's what makes this, this conversation complicated. Yeah. I mean, we've talked off the air a few times about how that injury just throws such a wrench into their offseason. If if Elsie's healthy, then you're right. He's just the starter, and you would – well, assuming that, the, you know, the coaches obviously know that the team knows how much his health issues last year played into and restricted his ability to play well. There were flashes of him playing like a really good player. There were flashes of the stuff that you got used to seeing in Dallas. There were flashes of – the the average plus pass blocker that you expect him to be but you know e- even later in the season he had too many games where it wasn't all coming together for him and it would make sense that a lot of that is to do with with just having injuries in your back that that restrict your ability to move and tackle but you're right it's going to be a, a competition right and he he has a healthy mentality I think, or at least in terms of what he's saying, in terms of what's going on on the Bengals' offensive line in that room, he has an open mind to competition. He said, you know, it can only be good, a deep offensive line. You know, that sounds good to me. That mm-hmm. That's the vibe from LC, and, and that's a healthy team-first mindset from him. It is, and and that's the thing that he certainly brought and was extremely obvious 
in in front and center when when talking is his team first mindset and how he was discussing things. I I didn't clip out the video of him talking about Jonah Williams, but he said, "quote We all know that's part of the business. Unfortunately, everybody's going through the business part at some point. It's not going to probably be what they want or whatever the case may be. At the same time, Jonah's going to be fine. He's a hell of an NFL player. He's a first round pick. He's done it. I got all the confidence in the world in Jonah and the type of person he is." And at the end, he said, we're going to have depth and we're going to be deep and we're coming and we ain't stopping when talking about the offensive line. So just that alone, he could have called out Jonah or tried to finagle his way into, see, I'm here. I'm busting my tail coming back from injury. And this guy is set to make 12.6 million this year and he's not here. And yet he didn't say that. So he didn't throw Jonah under the bus. And at the same time, it was a very first team first mindset like you mentioned he's got that uh competitive spirit to him right he wants to get on the field and and just imagine the depth that could be in that competition what he could be getting himself into because zach zach taylor he he spoke to the media on monday said that cody ford is primarily going to be working at right tackle he's going to be depth there jonah could still be on the team obviously lc's there jackson carmen's going to be in the mix to some degree according to coaches. And if they draft a guy, you can have five guys potentially. And, and maybe if they draft a guy, Jonah gets traded, whatever, four or five guys competing for right tackle and maybe some of them more than others. But mm-hmm. you get the idea. could be a very heated competition depending on the degree to which LC is able to participate by the time that competition comes around. No doubt. No doubt. And I, I think that that, and we'll have this discussion plenty, means offensive line, Round one, specifically offensive tackle early, outside of a few scenarios, probably unlikely, which some fans will not like. Up next, well, who could be the pick at 28? Because a couple national guys have made some interesting predictions for the Bengals. We'll dive into that and react to some other Bengals-related national news. But first, today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Grand slams, no-hitters, double plays are back which means you need to get to FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So say you want to wager on the Reds and they tell you where you're going to go and you lose, well, that's all right. You have that no-sweat first bet thanks to FanDuel. So all you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash on to place your first bet and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to do that today, and it's the perfect place to get in on all of the NBA playoff action as well. FanDuel.com slash on FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Let's talk about some of the smoke. It's Ooh. lying season. Every, everyone's making things up, hmm. but... A lot of it gets to the media, and it's it's always impossible to pick truth from fiction at this time of year, whether it's Peter King's mock draft we're going to talk about. Benjamin Albright tweeted 25 minutes ago, James, as we record, that there could be more running backs and wide receivers taken in round one on Thursday, which would be something. You got Chris Sims. He just put out 49 minutes ago as of the time of recording his predictive mock draft. You got Albert Breer going team by team and talking about what he's heard about what these teams are interested in. So this is about the time where the, the rumor mill is in full swing 
And it's up to us to try, try to figure out what pieces line up with what we think and, and what do we believe versus what is totally false as far as information getting to media. Yeah, it's tough. It is. And part of it is is plugged into some of these national guys are is plugged into some of the local people are you don't get everything right and so it's it's hard enough to do it here and then you go to the national level and you have to do it in 32 different organizations that's that's very tough to do but the luke musgrave pick i'll just say it with with peter king that would floor me and i'm not being critical of peter he's accomplished so much more in this business than i probably ever will but than almost anyone correct so th- this isn't me doing that. It's, it's simple. You look at the Bengals and you see tight end and you're like, okay, well, who could they pick? And maybe he heard, oh, well, they kind of like Luke Musgrave. I just, I would be shocked if they took him 28th. He may end up out on the Bengals and there's a bunch of ways to do that, right? Trade down, maybe they move up, maybe he falls to 60. All of those things could happen. I would be stunned if on Thursday night they turn in the card and it's Luke Musgrave tight end Oregon state and even more stunned on Friday when we would interview Luke Musgrave, I, you know, I, I pay core stadium. So we'll see if it happens, it happens, but that one would be a pretty big shock. And there are shocks that happen in, in round one. So you never say never. There are always shocks. So in this scenario, let's just talk about how Peter got to, the pick of Luke Musgrave. And and we saw Lance Zerline mock Luke Musgrave to the Bengals ahead of Kalaja Kansi a month or so ago, maybe a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yep. Bengals fans, uh, according to Lance, were not very happy with that. He he later said on a podcast. So uh, ahead of the Bengals pick here, Dalton Kincaid obviously gone. He goes to Green Bay at 15. And and that's a pick that I have a really hard time getting a feel for where Dalton Kincaid is going to go because you see him going anywhere from top 15 to in some cases falling out of the first round altogether part of that could be because media folks don't have a good feel for where the nfl is on his medical profile and maybe more teams are sour on his medical profile than we think not that i think that it is a flag for many nfl teams but the other thing that's interesting is you know obviously all the tackles are gone that goes without saying but a a big Mm -hmm. run on corner right before the Bengals pick, including Deontay Banks, Emmanuel Forbes, Joey Porter Jr., and Michael Mayer is also picked. So in that scenario, the Bengals are picking for Peter King's mock, Luke Musgrave ahead of some guys that we've talked about, some more so than others, but Miles Murphy, Kalijah Kansi, who falls all the way out of the first round, by the way, and Jameer Gibbs. And so those are a few guys just, off the top of your head or that go in the next couple of picks in this mock where you could easily make an argument that is maybe Cincinnati would pick one of those guys instead, especially Miles Murphy, who they, we know they met with, but Elijah Cansey, who fits what, you know, Albert Breer wrote about in terms of some interest in a, a havoc making interior defensive lineman. And that's why we've talked about Cansey so much for this team in terms of adding some juice, adding some pass rush pop, adding some penetrative three tech one gap kind of player, to that interior defensive line rotation. It would be hard to see Musgrave being the pick, given all of that. But, you know, you go back to before the combine, when it was, there could be four tight ends drafted in the first round. And obviously we're a long way from that now, but Musgrave is one of those four. Yeah. And 
I would still be shocked, floored, whatever you want to say. But it's happened. And so if that happened, well, I'd, I'd really want to give some truth serum on the, the idea of a trade down because I just, I agree with you. I mean, Kalajikansi, everyone knows that listens to this podcast, how I fear about, feel about Jameer Gibbs. And I don't have to go into that now, more on him in the, the upcoming days for sure. I would be hard to put it this way. This does not fit best player available for most teams. And I would be surprised if it fit the Bengals for best player available at 28. Maybe it does, but I don't think they're going to reach to fill that tight end need. That's something Zach Taylor, he said it last week when I asked him about Irv Smith Jr. and adding him in, in Drew Sample. And then this week he kind of doubled down. And that doesn't mean they won't take a tight end at 28. I think that's in play. I just don't think Luke Musgrave is. I, I just That seems early for me, and I think that would be early for the Bengals. And maybe I'm dead wrong, and like I said, we're talking about Luke Musgrave, but outside of Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, I don't really think tight end is in play at 28. And maybe not even for both of those guys. Maybe they have medical issues with Dalton Kincaid. As high as I am on him, I don't know about the medical stuff. Maybe they say, ah, just too early on him for, for the medical stuff. Or maybe they look at Michael Mayer and say, is he worth a first-round pick? Even though he's got a high floor, is he worth a first-round pick? I don't know. So I am speculating some here. But I think those might be the only two, right? One of these pass-catching type tight ends like Kincaid or, you know, you, you could try to stretch it with Musgrave. I just, I, I don't feel like he's in that realm. And part of it is because he didn't stay healthy and in health matters. If he had stayed healthy this past year, maybe we're talking about him being, a, you know, a top tight end in this class, but he didn't. And, and that's a big part of it. There are a few guys like that. There's there's Musgrave, there's Tillman, Laporta. wide receiver from from Tennessee. I mean, guys that didn't stay healthy that could otherwise be talked about at the top of their class. Just th- those oh, two skill guys stand out uh, off the top of my head. But that that is the argument. That is how you could make the Musgrave thing make sense. You listen to what we talked about with Brian Callahan on Friday last week. What do they want in the tight end? They, they want these guys that are going to be able to extend the field vertically, be able to play in, in the vertical pass game, be able to be dynamic pass-catching weapons. Luke Musgrave is that, to be clear. Great size. We, we've talked about that. Nearly 6'6", 253. He's, he's, he ran a 4'6", tested with great athleticism, right? So he's got all that. What he doesn't have, obviously, is, is, is the, the full year of production there. And so that's where you're really projecting. But, hey, the other thing in his favor is the Bengals sure have been successful in drafting pass catchers from Oregon State, right? I mean, you got to go back 20 years or so. But uh, Look at there, you. I something. mean, that man that man is still open. Why you got to bring him up? He's still open. <laughs> what about don't, TJ? Don't, I, I, Both of them. TJ, TJ could teach anyone how to run a great route. Now, will they listen? I'm not sure. But TJ is a route route uh, technician, I would say. That's what I would call TJ Hushmanzada. Obviously, we're referring to Chad Johnson and TJ Hushmanzada, for those wondering. What a what a pick. Just I mean, the, the TJ Hushmanzada pick? Yeah. What, what a freaking grand slam of a pick. Anyway, let's continue this conversation. We've got Albert Brunos to get to. I want to I want to mention the Chris Sims mock, for, for better or worse, James. I think you're going to like it. We'll finish the show with those couple of topics here coming up next. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing, changing. Therapy is all, all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through some things. And that's why BetterHelp can connect you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, BetterHelp is worth a try. Why? Well, it's convenient. It's entirely online, flexible. It can be suited to your schedule. And all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no charge. BetterHelp is how you can help discover your potential. So visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. Let's hit this Chris Sims mock real quick because I think you're you're going to be entertained because it, it I, lands. Have it you lands it? on the it lands on the right guy. Yeah, I saw it. Someone tagged me in it. Okay, yeah that 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 lines up. The the reason it it to be honest with you, it makes me angry is because I didn't put mine out yet, and that's the way I'm leaning. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of beat me to it. Whatever though, because it may change. But uh, anyways, let's dive into it. Yeah, let's hit some of the highlights here quickly. First, Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer go picks 15-16. Kincaid to Green Bay, very popular among the mockers. And this is his prediction of what he thinks will happen. Not that Chris Sims has, like, he, he's not one of the, the top predictive mockers, but, you know, he, he's going to get some stuff right here and there. Uh, yeah. Michael Mayer going 16 to Washington. Kalijah I don't can't get see. Real quick, I don't get that, by the way. I think both are stupid fits. One, the Packers are not going to be this throw-it-all-over-the-field team anymore. They're not with Jordan Love. He may throw it, but not all over the field. Why not give them this plug-and-play, ready-to-go type tight end if you're taking one in Michael Mayer? And then why would Washington take a tight end at all in round one? Anyways, go ahead. i got to admit I'm not very familiar with Washington as a football team. They're pretty irrelevant to me in terms of my coverage of the Cincinnati Bengals and, and the teams that they need to concern themselves with in 2023. But I mean, you know. quarterback, 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 and quarterback. So, I think so, that should be their focus. Go ahead. Hendon, Hendon Hooker, who, sure. who's picked in this mock draft at 23, by the way, to the Minnesota Vikings. People are fascinated, I think, with giving the Vikings a, a quarterback. Mazzy Smith in the first round here. Anton yep. Harrison all the way up at pick 20 in 19? this mock draft. Sorry, 19. You're right, 19 in this mock draft. John Michael Schmitz in the first round of Dallas. Remember when the, the Cowboys picked uh, f- the current center? Zach Martin. No, the current center. Uh, Frederick? Oh, Or was it the previous yeah. center? Sorry. In the first yeah. round, and he was a bit of a surprising pick. Chris thinks it's time to repeat that little bit of history. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Travis Frederick, yeah. All the way down at pick 27. Brian Brzee up at pick 24. And so the Bengals get to the clock. And, I mean, th- there's Emmanuel Forbes available because DJ Turner's been picked in this scenario. So if the Bengals like Emmanuel Forbes, you know, that's an option. You got Lucas Van Ness and Miles Murphy still available here. And... He, he's got the Bengals picking your guy, Jameer Gibbs, James. I love it. I love it. Now, will they do that with some of those other guys on the board, Emmanuel Forbes specifically? I think that that's more of a tough sell, especially with the run on corners. Like Banks is gone. Turner just went. 
Uh, that's that's tough. That, that's tough for me. But I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't be mad. And uh, I'll explain the logic. But you know, pretty simple here. But then when we dive into it a bit more, but I think Jameer Gibbs could be offensive rookie of the year if he joins the Bengals at pick twenty eight. And I think he might be the front runner, regardless of where Bijan goes. Now, if he goes to the Eagles like they do in this mock, then it gets interesting. But it would be a competition, I think, between those two teams. And Jackson Smith and Jigba almost falling to the Bengals is wild. I don't think he'll fall that far. Yeah, that's that's the one that I was going to ask you about. How how much would you be sitting on the edge of your seat if he got to pick 26 and then the <sighs> Bills were on the clock? And you're sitting there like, oh, man. Well, well you feel good because it would be Smith and Jigba, Forbes, like there's a lot of last, options there. Last year I did that. I counted it down and then it was, all right, there's three or there's two picks left. It's Karloftis or Hill, you know? And so that was it. And I think I probably had one more draft thing, you know, player ready to go uh, for that. But then you narrow it down and it's like, all right, well, they're taking Dax O and they took him and I was ready to, to fire it off. So hopefully I can get it that right this, this year, because uh, it, ma- it makes it less stressful if you already have the, the article written. It gets a lot easier when you get closer to the pick. I, I I mentioned to you a few times in this draft process this year. It is, I think I'm realizing that we don't have very firm patterns from this iteration of Bengals drafting yet. With Zach Taylor running the football operations side of things, from from the coaching side of things, it's a very similar front office, obviously. Duke Tobin seeming to be more and more empowered to to make more and more decisions over the years. But we don't have the 10-plus years of Marvin Lewis history where we could say, yeah, this is what they do. This is what they like. These are the kinds of players that this staff likes. We have some of that, of course, with Zach Taylor. You can get some ideas. They've done a lot of work in free agency, though. You know, We only have a few drafts to look at with them, and in two of those, they were picking you know, first and fifth which is a lot easier to kind of figure out what direction they might go than when they're picking at the end of the round. Now, that being said, let's finish quickly with Albert Breer's write-up. Says that offensive line isn't out of the question, and and I think that's true, but I don't think the Bengals are expecting there to be an offensive line and they love at pick 28. Tight end, he writes, is probably the team's biggest need, but – at both of these positions, you know, the Bengals have done some work. Orlando Brown, Irv Smith, Drew Sample. Mm-hmm. They've got depth. They've got 15 offensive linemen on the roster right now. So maybe they don't need to pick any of those. So he writes about your guy, Jameer Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Are they free to take that kind of swing in the first round to get that kind of impact at the running back position in the passing game in particular? Or is it a corner or Kalijah Kansi? Those are the other two big ones that he mentions. And those are kind of the... Guys, we've been talking about that's the direction we've been going. So there's some some smoke for that fire, some smoke for that conversation that we've been having and and kind of on, on the same lines. And you you add to that the Albright tweet that there might be more running backs than wide receivers picked in the first round. Well, there's a little bit more for it. Yeah, that's that is interesting because then is it just one receiver? But because I don't see three backs. I I just only see two. The one thing I think we do know about this staff is so far when they've invested in weapons for Burrow, it's paid off. And I I think that they, maybe that comes into play here. And who knows? Maybe maybe that's why they say, hey, we're taking Luke Musgrave, right? But (laughs) I, I don't necessarily think that'll be the case. 
but we we do have a small picture of that where it's paid off. So yeah, we will see. But uh, it is good to to see that. I think our our thoughts and, and a lot of our process is aligning with the Bengals, and we still have a few days here. So who knows? I you know I, I think it's clear. I think they're in on Gibbs. We'll see if that continues. Maybe. Duke Tobin calls me right after this. Duke, please call me and show me your board. Um, and, and after he sees this and says, man, we are not in on Jameer Gibbs. And, and maybe tomorrow I'll change my tune. But as of now, I think that's one of the the many considerations for 28. I think it's fair to say that they like him and know what he can do as a receiving back and is the only receiving back really at that level that also offers you a little something as a running back. You can talk about Kenny McIntosh much later if you want. But, you know, when you talk about the dynam- the dynamism that he brings at the top of the draft. I think he is in play. We'll be joined by Joe Goodberry for tomorrow's show. We'll talk to him about his thoughts on predicting where the Bengals are going to go in this 2023 NFL draft. Then we've got our own predictive mock show, our draft preview, our final preview coming your way before the draft kicks off on Thursday. After that, we'll come your way after the draft picks are in. So keep an eye on Twitter, keep an eye on the podcast feed, and we'll get you that content with analysis of the picks and thoughts about the, the players' fits and what they could have done instead, or if we think that it was a Grand Slam correct pick. All of that will be part of our post-draft analysis each day this week after the draft. So stay tuned for those episodes coming up. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.